Thank you. I forgot to say at the beginning, uh, I do bring greetings and love from Hale and from West Cornwall. Um, and uh, obviously that includes Penzance and Helston as well. Um, it's great to be here. It's good to see you. And um, people often ask, and we, we just, we're just so blessed that we get once a month to actually meet as the pastors together and catch up and build each other up. So we get to hear about you, and um, that's just absolutely fantastic. So um, this morning I've called it Follow Me, St. Austell, and Prayer. And the reason I've, I've come to this is I was talking to Pete probably a couple of weeks ago in relation to um, what I was thinking and, and just the journey that I've been on and that we've been on as a church and a group of people where we've looked at faith and we're looking at discipleship. And um, looking at, well, I think, d- discipline that comes with faith. And I break discipline down into disciple line. That God's call on us is to take the disciple line. And um, so I'm aware that you did a prayer and fasting series at the beginning of the year. And um, so hopefully some of it will, you just think, yep, yeah, okay, got that, got that, doing that, doing that. There might be just one or two golden nuggets in there, so I would encourage you that just as the disciples struggled to stay awake when Jesus prayed, um, that you would just listen and pick out one or two golden nuggets for yourselves um, from, from just this little journey back through prayer, this reminder and this prompt. Um, and so as we've carried on on this journey, uh, to say no, Lord, is a contradiction. To say no, Lord, is a contradiction. And that the challenge to each and every one of us, all the way through, on a daily basis, is, is my faith convenient, or is it courageous? Convenient or courageous. It's all about Jesus. I was reading and studying, and, and just this, this phrase came to me and just said, um, there are no nominal Christians in China. There are no nominal Christians in China. They don't have the choice. They're full on or full off. And that's a call for us as well. And our call to the ends of the earth, as Jesus said, is that um, it's here. It's the here and the now in mid-Cornwall, in St. Austell, and for me, in West Cornwall as well. So um, we are a forgiven people. We're an ordinary people who are about to do some extraordinary things. So hold on to that. And those extraordinary things we can only do in and through prayer. So, around about 2,000 years ago, a young 30-year-old man, and he is young because I'm now old, a young 30-year-old man stood in front of the synagogue and he said these words. Now, I've got to get this right, haven't I? Oh, he's done me. Thank you. Um, Isaiah 9, he picked it up and he said, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. And from then on, most people who heard him didn't like what he had to say. They opposed what he had to say. They tried to throw him off a cliff for what he had to say. They crucified him for what he had to say. However, we have much to learn from what Jesus said. So our focus just in this first little bit is going to be looking at what Jesus said and how he modelled prayer. So just before we come to the next bit, he, uh, he's baptised by John, he goes into the wilderness for 40 days and he prays and fasts, he comes out, he makes this pronunciation, this announcement that this prophecy is fulfilled in him, 
And then he comes on and he says uh, this one in Luke 4. Thank you. At daybreak, Jesus went out to a solitary place. At daybreak, Jesus went out to a solitary place. The people were looking for him. And when they came to where he was, they tried to keep him from leaving them. But he said, I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns also, because that is why I was sent. And he kept on preaching in the synagogues of Judea. So at the very start of the day, he takes himself off to a solitary place because he's got an incredibly important decision to make. And he seeks God on that decision. Do I stay or should I go? Reminds me of a Clash song, should I stay or should I go now? So he prays, he recognizes his call, his change in direction. So for each one of us, even before we start that road to that change of direction, set yourself aside and seek God. I'm very good at doing it about halfway in or towards the end when I want a confirmation on where I'm going. And that's not the right time to do it. Trust me, speaking from experience, do it right back at the very beginning. So then in Luke chapter 6, Luke 6, the selection of the 12 apostles. One of those days, Jesus went out to the mountainside to pray. And he spent the night praying to God. When morning came, he called his disciples to him and chose 12 of them, whom he designated apostles. Simon, who he named Peter, his brother Andrew, James, John, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, son of Alphaeus, Simon, who was called the Zealot, Judas, son of James, and Judas Iscariot, who became a traitor. So for a key, crucial choosing of people, He's in prayer to his father all night in that solitary place. He is in prayer and he then chooses the 12 men that the father has shown him. So the call on us is for close contact, close contact and communication with our father. It's essential and it needs to be without noise pollution and worldly interference. And I've kind of gone the other way because, you know, where's the Wi-Fi spot? Can I get Wi-Fi? Can I stay in touch? Can I keep communicating? The message for us is, true communication is in that solitary place with our Father. And we need to take time to find and do that. And I know some of you as groups are coming together to actually do that. So the next one is Matthew 6, when Jesus talks about prayer. And he says, And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues, and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like the Gentiles or some some versions of the Bible say pagans. So when you pray, do not keep on babbling. So let me just step aside from the reading. I was talking to a guy last week, um, and he'd volunteered, done some work over in Thailand, and uh, he ended up in a Buddhist monastery. And um, he's a Christian, but he ended up in the Buddhist monastery. And he said they had to chant 180 times for three hours to Buddha to receive a merit for their family. And the people were doing that time after time after time to receive a merit for their family. So I think that's just an idea of Jesus saying, don't keep on babbling. Um, 
Stick with it. For they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them. Your father knows what you need before you ask him. Your father knows what you need before you ask him. And he goes on to just, in the same bit, in this Sermon on the Mount, in his talk, opening talk to the people, um, he then says, and here might be a, an, an idea, a, a way that it might be good to pray. So I do like a bit of uh, audience participation. So it's not compulsory, as I'll explain in a minute. But if you want to read this with me, this next bit, then by all means, please do so. But this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and give us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. And he goes on to say, just to add this bit, And when you fast, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others they are fasting. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face, so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting but only to your Father who is unseen. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. So Jesus gives us the model and um, says to all who would choose to follow him and be committed to prayer, here's a good start point. But he emphasizes forgiveness or unforgiveness as a key aspect to prayer. So that's one for us to kind of turn the mirror on ourselves and, and examine ourselves before we pray. Are we in the right standing? Are we in the right place? Is unforgiveness an issue? Pray specific prayers for specific answers. And um, we would just ask as well, fasting, Jesus links the two deliberately so that's something that we've got to consider and we need to consider and there are many different ways to fast. And um, if you have a look online, you'll see them. The world's creeping in because as I put fasting in, it came up with the 5-2 fast. You know, you five, so the good way to lose weight, and then another one was about weight loss, and another one was about weight loss, and I got to about seven or eight down, and then I came to one linked to prayer. So the world is creeping in onto fasting, but hold, hold with it, stay with it. It's a key and important part. And interestingly, so this is just the theory according to Simon Selly, this is not any deep meaningful theology, but the times we live in mean that we can step aside from some things that don't necessarily have to be food. It's about that focus on Jesus, that extra minutes in meaningful conversation and communication with him. And that's what fasting can be. Okay, what am I like for time? Right, so let's go quickly into 10 things about prayer to be reminded of. 10 little reminders for you. You and I are speaking to a real divine person, a real divine being. Not just anyone or anything, but God himself. It's relational and it's fluid. We don't have to pray. It's not compulsory. It's not about being restrictive in that we must, we must, we must. Jesus says, go and stand on the street corner in a sense and make a show of it. It's not about being restrictive. It's about relationship and fellowship. It's not have to. 
It's because we want to. We pray because we want to, because in a sense we feel the need to. We need to call him Father, as he says above, Father in heaven, hallowed. So I went back and I looked up hallowed, greatly revered and honoured, hugely respected. Father in heaven, greatly revered and honoured. Hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And then uh, in Luke 18, Jesus uses the example of the persistent widow. It says, uh, then Jesus told his disciples a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. And he talks about the persistent widow who goes back in front of the unjust judge and constantly badgers him until he changes his decision. And uh, the call on us is, be persistent in prayer. So I need to ask you, this is where the, the old police officer in me comes out again, and I need to just ask you the question, who have you stopped praying for? Or what have you stopped praying about? Because I would encourage you to keep going, to be persistent. Always pray and don't give up. And then number five, uh, it's communication. It's an expression of our love for him. Communication is the most natural part of a love relationship. Now this is where the age, this comes a bit of ageism comes in because some people look at me. When I was seeing Astrid, or when I was courting, uh, and uh, we phoned each other. And it, you've probably seen it on the films as well for some of you younger ones. You know, when you say, okay, yeah, love you. Okay, yeah, you hang up first. No, no, I love you more, so you hang up first. No, 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 you hang up first, because I, I love you more. Now, well, I'll hang up when you hang up. And it's an expression of love. It's a love relationship and communication. And I just want to share this with you. Um, this is uh, from an American pastor called Francis Frangipan. And uh, he says, if Satan cannot distract you with worldliness, he will overwhelm you with weariness. Indeed, how easy it is to wear ourselves out. Even good works done without recharging ourselves in God can drain us of life and energy. And I can confirm that full on, and Pete probably can as well. Daniel speaks of a time at the end of an age when the enemy will attempt to wear down the saints of the high one, or the highest one. That's uh, Daniel chapter 7. God never intended us to do his will without his presence. The power to accomplish his purpose comes from prayer and intimacy with Christ. It is here, closed in with God, where we find an ever-replenishing flow of spiritual virtue. So in the early 1970s, during the beginning of my ministry, the Lord called me to consecrate to him the time from dawn until noon. I spent these hours in prayer, worship, and the study of his word, I would often worship God for hours, writing songs to him that came from this wonderful sanctuary of love. The presence of the Lord was my delight, and I know my time with him was not only well spent, but also well-pleasing to us both. However, as my life began to bear the fruit of Christ's influence, the Holy Spirit brought people to me for ministry. In time, as more people came, I found myself cutting off 45 minutes from the end of my devotional time. On occasion, ministry to people extended late into the night, and I stopped rising as early as I had. Church growth problems began to eat at the quality of my remaining time. Ministerial expansion, training younger ministries, and more counseling and deliverance crowded the already limited time I had left. Of course, these changes did not happen overnight, but the months and years of increasing success were steadily eroding my devotional life. In time, I found myself in a growing ministry, but with a shrinking anointing to sustain it. 
One day an intercessor called who prayed regularly for me. He told me that during the night the Lord spoke to him in a dream concerning me. I was eager to hear what the Lord had revealed to my friend, thinking perhaps he was going to increase our outreach or maybe supply some needed finances. And I asked him to tell me the dream. What the Lord said had nothing directly to do with the projects and priorities that were consuming my time. He simply said, Tell Francis I miss him. Tell Francis I miss him. Our Father God so desires that communication and that relationship with us that he sent this message to say, tell Francis that I miss him. So we must listen. It's not just about talking, it's about listening. So we need to pray with reverence, therefore. And when you pray... Don't be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing to be seen. Adopt a natural position, take yourself somewhere, you can sit, hands on thighs, give yourself time to relax, wait and listen. But when you pray, says Jesus, go into your room, close the door and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Are your prayers intimate? Are they personal? If not, they can become very self-centered. Me, me, me. Uh, An example I can give of that would be in 2005, I was running a murder investigation in Penzance. They'd given me back my normal day job, so I was effectively running two jobs. And um, things weren't going very well at home. So I decided I'd get up 15 minutes earlier to pray for Astrid and my two daughters, um, that God would change them to make things better. And after about three months of getting up 15 minutes earlier... I finally stopped talking and listened. And God said, Simon, the issue's you. It's not them, it's you. So keep your prayers intimate and open and honest. Are you amazed at prayer? Does prayer amaze you? Because we've got God's ear. The creator of this universe knows each and every one of us. And he wants to hear from us and listen to us. It's a privilege and an honor. If you could never pray again, would you miss it? What would your life be like without prayer? So just ask, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. General prayers get general answers, to quote Pete. General prayers get general answers, specific prayers get specific answers. One top theologian said, when I pray, coincidences occur. When I don't pray, coincidences don't occur. And then finally, prayer requires faith. Prayer requires our faith. We need to keep praying. To hang in there. So could I ask the the, the band just to come up? And um, we're going to finish with a song in just a moment. But I just need to ask you, as as I've said, a couple more questions. Because I I do like to... to, um, Involve everybody. How much do you value your life? How much do you value your life? Because God values it more. And he's saying to each one of us this morning, I miss you. I miss you. And if he's missing me and you, he's missing our family and our friends 
and our neighbours. And so what I've put over by the cross are a number of post-it notes. And what I would just encourage you to do as you just worship in this last, last session is just seek God as to a family member, a friend, a neighbour, a work colleague, somebody that you would undertake to pray for persistently over the coming weeks and months. And then wait for God to speak to you on how to invite them to something or to talk to them in relation to him. So I just encourage you, just as you pray and as you worship, just seek that name. It's not compulsory. You don't have to do it. You can take one with you or you can even do it at home. But I would just encourage you. God is missing his people because he loves us so much.